The subtitle of this series has been Proverbs, A Life Lived Full. All right, and so as we're thinking about this topic of friendship, it's a topic that I think every single one of us, if we were to do a poll in here, every single one of us would say, if I wanted a life that was full, that it would come with friendship. Amen? Um, We need relationships in this life, and a lot of times they're what makes the fullness of this life um, really a, a warm aspect It's like the sun beating down on our skin. It's like the warmth that we experience here in this life. And so not only is this something that I think if we took a poll, but also if you look throughout the book of Proverbs, it's a major theme that you find throughout the entire book. All right. So um, you see the book of Proverbs speak to friendship about the richness that can be had in friendship. You see it speak to the threats that can happen against friendship in this life. You even see it talk about the effect of what friendship means to our lives. All right. So um, not only do you find it in the book of Proverbs, we, we are just curious human beings when it comes to this. All right. So the University of Virginia actually did some social studies on just the effect of friendships to our life. So here's what they did. All right. So they took 37 students and they took them to a steep hill on campus, like one of those that it feels like you're just like looking up a mountain whenever you're at the bottom of it. They took 37 of these students, and they put them at the bottom of the hill, and then they strapped every single one of them with weighted backpacks, all right? Now, here's the thing, all right? It already sounds like a terrible study, doesn't it? So they're at the bottom of the hill, and they separate them in different categories, all right? So they have one group that they're all just isolated. They're standing at the bottom of the hill by themselves, all right? So just there, themselves, lonesome. Then you have another group that's right here, that they're placed next to a friend, all right? Somebody that they know, somebody that uh, they've had some type of meaning, meaningful interaction with on campus. And then they have a third group that it's, again, a group that's been placed with a friend, but it's somebody that they've known for quite some time, all right? So they have three different groups, and then before they had them do anything, they asked them some questions about just the severity of the steepness of the hill, all right? And here's what the study showed. All right, those that were in the group by themselves had the highest view. They rated the steepness of the hill the highest out of all three groups. The second group right here, if you were connected with a friend, theirs was significantly lower in how they viewed the steepness of the hill than the person that was by themselves. But the group that was the third that had a longevity to the relationships not only saw the severity of the hill lower, but they also saw it shorter. The climb up the hill was shorter, all right? Look, they, even our world <laughs> concludes that friendship is important, and not only is it important, but it affects your perspective on life. And that's exactly what I believe the book of Proverbs tells us. If we want a full life, if you want to, a significance to your life. You have to have friends. The world tells us that. We have it in our own personal experience, but you also see it in the book of Proverbs. So here's what I want us to do tonight, all right? As we're wrestling with this theme of friendship, we're gonna be in the book of Proverbs 27. Like I said, it's the most saturated chapter with verses on friendship. Now, I wanna be full, I want full disclosure here, all right? We have some we have, there are some great verses in the book of Proverbs on friendship. 
um, this chapter deals with a lot of the aspects of friendship that are a little bit more challenging for us, all right? So you, when you hear friendship, it's like, oh, great, we're going to hear the ones where there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Great one, right? We love that one. Not tackling that one tonight. <laughs> we're going to look at some that I think are a little bit more challenging to us, but here's the reason why I want to do this. I believe by us wrestling with the ones that are more challenging for us that it can make our friendships richer, all right? So I want us to look at three sections of Proverbs 27. I'm going to break these verses down into three different sections. And here's what we're going to find, all right? First section, uh, first two sections, we're going to see two essentials to meaningful friendship from Proverbs chapter 27. And then the last one, we're going to see what friendship's influence is on our life, all right? So we'll do that, and then um, we'll close out. All right, so here's what I want to do. Let's look at verses five through six. That we're going to see the first essential to meaningful friendship in verses five through six. So I'm going to read it to refresh our minds and then we'll dive in. All right, so here's what it says Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. All right, so here's the first essential to friendship it's honesty. It's honesty, all right? A real friend, all right, will tell you the truth rather than hiding it from you, even if it's painful. That's what a real friend does, all right? Like the Proverbs say, concealed love is not actual love at all, and flattery cannot be trusted. However, a real friend will be honest with you, look, because they want what is best for you. A real friend will be honest with you even if it hurts. That's why the author uses the word wound here. They're willing to wound you, but it's not because they want to cause harm to you. It's because they actually want what is best for you. All right? So here's the reality for us. Um, There's a pastor, John Calvin, from the 1500s. He said, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. And we know that there can't actually be knowledge of self apart from community. Does that make sense? If you want to know yourself, you actually have to be in relationships with other people. You cannot know yourself in isolation. It's impossible. Like we're not wired that way. we, We can't figure out things about us if we are not in relationship with other people. One commentary that I read this week Uh, put it like this, that it's like listening to an audio recording of yourself, all right? So whenever you hear a recording of yourself on the audio, you hear your voice and you're just like, nah, that's not really how I sound. Like that, that can't be right, right? But then the recording's not lying to you. It's actually captured your voice, is actually allowing you to hear yourself maybe for the very first time. The reality is is you can't hear within your body what you sound like outside of your body, right? And growing to know yourself is the same way. Without others, it's impossible, absolutely impossible to truly know yourself. So look, for you to actually know yourself, for you to move forward in life, for you to grow in a relationship with God and others, you need an honest friend. You need somebody that is honest with you both about your strengths and your weaknesses. Somebody that's willing to look you in the eyes and tell you the truth even if it hurts. 
Now, before we can move on, I think it's important that we wrestle with that there's a barrier as well as an aid to honesty and friendship, all right? So here's the first one. Here's the barrier. The barrier to honesty and friendship is fear. We hesitate to be a friend at the threat of losing a friend. That, can you relate with that? We Look, every single one of us, we are wired to want to be accepted. <laughs> we want to be accepted. It's one of the natural inclinations and desires that goes deep down inside of us. Now, here's the thing. When we feel like we need to speak up and be honest with somebody, fear creeps in because we are afraid that it's going to lead to the rejection of that friend. You know what I'm saying? You ever dealt with that? I was reading a book this last week um, by Christine Hoover. She wrote a book on friendship that's great, especially for ladies. If you're looking for a book on friendship, um, I read it personally. Men, you can still uh, be, you can benefit from it. But ladies, it's a great book for you to look at and wrestle with. But there's a part in there where she wrestles with just the fear that she has in going to a interaction. She knows she needs to speak up in this friend's life because she's identified a pattern that's taking place in her friend's life that's actually leading to her destruction rather than her flourishing. And she said she, would, she went and her hands were trembling with fear. Why? Because she wants acceptance. She wants acceptance in a friendship and she's afraid by speaking up and being honest that it's actually gonna lead to the rejection of the friendship. So look, the barrier to honesty and a friendship is fear. Our countermeasure to that is to step in with courage. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's actually looking at that fear and continuing to move forward with the strength of God and the Holy Spirit inside of you. So look, if you want, if you want deep, meaningful relationships, you have to have honesty. You have to have honesty. But it doesn't stop there. You actually need an aid to go along with your honesty that it ministers to the way that we can have honest relationships. And here's the aid. The aid to honesty is empathy. The aid to honesty is empathy. You have heard probably comparisons of um, when it comes to friendships, a doctor versus a butcher. Anybody heard that before? So here's kind of the idea, right? A doctor... They create a wound, right? A surgeon will create a wound within you, but they try to make it as minimal as possible so that there can be as least amount of pain in your life as possible. They know that they're about to inflict pain on your life, but they try to make it as minimal as they possibly can. Not so much a butcher, right? Like they go in and they just start hacking away. There's, there's no measure to the type of cuts that they're making. They have one job, and they have one job only, and it's to sever, right? And so look, a friend is like a good doctor, not a butcher. They come to you with a scalpel and not a cleaver. <laughs> when they come to you and they're inflicting a wound, they're trying to take into consideration you. They know that they're about to inflict a wound but they have thought it over. They've considered your life. They've considered just the effect that their words might have on your life. And so look, 
a friend, a good friend is like a good doctor who comes in. They know they're about to make a cut, but they try to make it as minimal as possible because their desire is not to inflict pain on you, but they're willing to inflict pain on you because they want what is best for you. So look, the, the barrier <laughs> to honesty in friendships is fear, and the response for us is to step in with courage, but that courage needs to be aided with empathy. And whenever we live into this, y'all, when we live into honesty and friendship, it's a gift. It's a gift. That's, that's why we, we need to have this wrestle in our life that um, we're not okay with allowing friends that come into our life and allowing them to kind of stay where they're at. We, we should be like Jesus and that we welcome friends in no matter what's going on in their life, that there's definitely an acceptance there. But there's a love that you have for a friend that you don't let them stay where they're at, especially if there's something that's causing a hindrance in their life or that's honestly tearing their life apart. The most loving thing that you can do is you speak up and you step in. You do it with courage and it also requires empathy. All right, the second one is this. We see it in verse 9. It says, Oil and incense bring joy to the heart, and the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. So look, the second essential to our relationships, to having a life lived full when it comes to friendship, is humility. The first is honesty, but the second is humility. Most translations... Um, Read verse 9 like this. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from the, his earnest counsel. So the translation we're looking at is called the Christian Standard Bible. Um, it has the latter part, the sweetness of a friend is better than self-counsel. It's assuming that there's a counsel that's better than the one that you give yourself. But the alternate translation, which I like better, all right? Most of my guys in my D groups are gonna give me a hard time about this because we have like little running jokes about this. But the ESV or other translations, the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Look, the sweetness of a friendship comes from the advice or the counsel that a friend gives to a person. They, they give to you. We get hints of this sentiment elsewhere in the book of Proverbs. We kind of touched on these in previous weeks, but I think they're worth refreshing. So Proverbs 15, 23 says this, a person takes joy in giving an answer and a timely word. How good that is. Proverbs 25, 11, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in silver settings. There's a beauty and there's a splendor and there's a sweetness to this. What matches such advice, what makes such advice sweet is that it's not only apt, but it, it's thoughtful, right? So it comes from a person that knows you. They've taken the time, they've invested themselves in you, and so they know that your situation, they know what your needs are, and because they have this investment in your life, they're able to speak and give you wise, good counsel because they've taken you into consideration, now, to experience such sweetness, you need a humility in a couple of different ways, all right? So I wouldn't say that we're the best as a society at, like, submitting ourselves to other people and receiving advice and counsel, 
Um, but that's exactly what we need is a sense of humility. The first one is this. You need humility to receive advice. There's a humility that you actually need to place yourself at the mercy of someone else that they speak into your life, all right? So um, we've got to learn to let our guard down and embrace that we are weak people. Not very fun to state, not something that we want to own, but it's the reality for every single one of us that's sitting in a seat here tonight. Every single one of us has a level of weakness that we need to embrace in order that we can receive advice and counsel from other people. Essentially, you need to own that you need help. You need help. Now, there's a way that we can act weak and humble and vulnerable, yet be opposed to actually receiving help, all right? So there's a way that in group settings, or we do this on social media too. I'm pretty sure most of us have probably done this, if not have seen it from somebody else. But there's a way that you can have an honesty or an openness or a transparency in the way that you share with other people that you're actually working to try to get affirmation back. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a way that you're speaking and you're sharing things about your life that you're just wanting people to see how strong you are as a person and how self-confident you are, that you can share the weakness, that you can share and be transparent about these things that are going on in your life that you would say are not the best, but actually you're just trying to get affirmation. And the way that you know that is because if there's a motive to receive affirmation, you want to come across as strong, that when you get advice, you are hard on the inside. It's as if like the advice that's coming to you ricochets right back because there's no way it's penetrating your interior. You know what I'm saying? That's not actual weakness. That's just posturing a new way of strength as a society. But the sweetness of friendship in this proverb is experienced. Look, when you both confess and you receive when you confess and you receive, when there's actually an openness and invulnerability that you give before another person that they can speak into your life. I own that I'm weak in this particular place and I need your help is what essentially you're trying to say. That, that's really hard. That's a really hard place for us to come because sometimes there's times where we have done this, we've exposed ourselves, not in like a weird way, but we've exposed ourselves to somebody else and it's inflicted wounds that actually came more with a cleaver than it came with a scalpel. And in some ways we want to have this hardness inside of us to protect ourselves from that ever happening again. But here's the danger that if you never truly open yourself up to somebody else, you're never going to experience the benefit of real meaningful friendship. There has to be a sense of humility that you allow yourself to be completely open and bare before someone else that they can also speak into your life and that you're actually willing and ready to receive. You feel that? Not only do you need that though, you also need a humility to think less of your, or think of yourself less and to think of others more, all right? So not only do we need advice, um, but our friends also need us to speak into their life as well. So there's a mutuality that comes with essential, 
meaningful friendship in this life, and this too requires our humility. So C.S. Lewis defines humility like this. Humility is not thinking less about yourself, but thinking about yourself less. Everybody heard of that before, right? Mere Christianity, thank you very much. Um, This too is a struggle for us, y'all. This is a struggle for us, all right? So there's an comedi- old comedian, many of you probably know who I'm talking about, Groucho Marx. Anybody know Groucho Marx? He's the one that the big nose, glasses, and mustache, like that's this guy. So like black and white, think about him. Well, he has this little bit where um, he, goes, the, he goes out with a friend for the very first time, or I guess it's an acquaintance, and they go out. And so they're trying to get to know each other. And so they sit down, and he just like starts talking about himself profusely, like just, oh, you need to know about this, about myself. Oh, if you really want to know, like, parts about my hobbies, let me speak about this. Um, if you want to know about my home life, let me touch on my home life. It just goes on and on and on. And at some point in the middle of the, the conversation, he goes, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I've been talking this whole time. You have barely got any words in. Let, I'll stop talking. You can speak. What do you think about me? <laughs> Look, like, the natural bent in our heart is towards ourself. It is. But if we really want to experience the beauty and the sweetness of friendship, there needs to be a humility where we stop thinking about ourselves so much and we actually begin to think about other people more. If you really want to experience the beauty of friendship, it's not just always receiving. You also have to give. Here's the reality of our relationships. We are both needy, but we're also needed. We're needy and we're needed, which means that, yes, you need to open, expose your life to other people so they can speak in and need to be ready to actually receive counsel and advice from them. But look, they're going to need to do it with you too. There's a way that people need our words as well. And look, the only way that you're going to be ready when they are, have come, they open their life to you and they're ready to receive your advice and counsel that you're actually gonna be a benefit to them is if you actually think about them more often than you think about yourself. It requires humility. I think about myself less and I begin to think about other people more. Now, here's a test for you, all right? If you're like, well, do I do this? Do I not do this? Um, If the conversation feels like an interview, you may need to grow in your humility of thinking of other people. If you get into a conversation where it feels like it's one-sided, they're the ones that are like having to come with you and there's lots of questions that keep coming your way and it's like, um, it just feels kind of like a dead conversation. Look, you may need to grow in your curiosity about other people and less about yourself. There may need to be a warning sign of like, I'm not thinking about other people and how I can actually be a gift and a blessing and a good friend to them if the conversation always feels one-sided and it's always about you. There's a humility that we we need that's not only a willingness to open, expose ourselves to receive advice, there's also a humility where we need to think less about who we are and maybe think about more what's going on in other people's lives because then we can be ready to be that good friend that speaks in in the sweetness of the advice and counsel of a friend. We can actually step into it. Two essentials for friendship. 
You need honesty, but you also need humility. You need both of these things. But not be, we didn't stop there. Um, I, I believe verse 17 also speaks to the influence of meaningful friendship in our life. All right, so here's 17 again. You could probably spout it off, but let me refresh us. Iron sharpens iron, and one person sharpens another. All right, so here's the reality of friendships. Our friendships shape us. That's the type of influence that friendships have in our life. Our friends shape us to the people that we truly are meant to be. How does iron sharpen iron? Well, there's friction, not in sense like of a bad sense. There's friction in proximity with one another. Essentially, they rub off on one another, right? The same goes with friendship. So uh, motivational speakers will often say, uh, if you want to know what like, type of person you'll be in five years, all you need to do is look at your friends. That's the type of person you'll be in five years because that's the influence that friends have on your life. Whether you're willing to admit it or not, your friends have incredible influence on you. All right, so there's another proverb that I think puts it really well for us. Proverbs 13, 20 says this, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, right? Rub, sharpen, life on life. There's a proximity that happens. If you get close to someone that's wise and you spend a lot of time with them, what's going to happen? They're going to rub off on you. But the counter to that is also true. A companion of fools will suffer, suffer harm because what happens in a fool's life, it leads to treachery. So just as wisdom from a wise friend will rub off on you, so will the foolishness of a friend rub off on you as well. And this leads us to a couple of conclusions when we think about our friends, all right? So the first one is this. You've got to choose your friends wisely, you got to think wisely about who your friends are. If our friends shape us, then we must make good decisions about who we are in friendship with. So friendships are certainly intended for fun, right? Like we want to have fun. There's some friendships that come naturally. They're very easy. There's a delight that comes to them, but they also can lead to or hinder your sanctification in knowing and becoming like Jesus. You feel that? There's a way that they can spur you on to become more like Jesus and to grow in your relationship with Jesus, or they can hinder you. It's almost like they can grab you by the shoulder and yank you away, and there's actually not an obstinance to it at all. You go with the flow of who your friends are. Now, uh, look, if you are frustrated with your life right now, because you look at your life, maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years, and you look at your life and you're like, why am I not more like Jesus yet, right? <laughs> I'm sure everybody's, every one of us in here feels this to some level. If you look at the answer, like if you really are wanting to get honest with yourself, you may have to start with, who are my friends? Do they take Jesus seriously? Do they love the word of God? Do they push me to pray and to be real, in relationship with Jesus? Or do they just live for themselves? Do they just long to step into whatever's going to feel good in the moment? They want to keep things easy and light. 
don't really speak in with honesty. There's really no transparency or openness, willing to receive advice or wisdom or counsel from you or you to offer it to them. If you're frustrated, man, like, why, don't, why am I not closer to Jesus? Why don't I look more like Jesus? You may want to start with who are your friends because they're going to rub off on you. You need to be wise in the friends that you choose. Secondly, we need to make friendship a priority. We do. We need to make friendship a priority. Here's the reality for us, all right? Friendship seems to be one of the first things that goes whenever life gets busy. It just does. Especially like in the season of life that I'm in right now, having a bunch of youngsters in the house, it seems like when life gets busy, it's like the friendships get put on the back burner, all right? Ambition and convenience far too often dictate our level of friendship that we have with other people. It's reality. It's true. I think if you're really honest about your life, you could say the same thing about your life as well. But the reality is that meaningful friendships require sacrifice and commitment. If you want something that's worthwhile, a friendship that's going to go the distance, it's going to require you sacrificing sometimes the things that you want to do or the things that you place as a priority or your ambitions in life that you place those aside because friendships require your time. They do. If social media has proven anything to us is that we can't have meaningful relationships over a website, a social media page, or whatever it may be. It requires your presence. You have to be there. There needs to be a face-to-face, I'm with you, highs and lows in life. I'm going to sacrifice, sometimes I'm going to be inconvenienced by you in order that I can experience the beauty and the sweetness that Proverbs talks to us about when it comes to friendship. Now, here's the question that maybe you need to wrestle with, all right? What do I need to do in order to gain influential friends? All right, maybe you need to look at your life and you need to think, is my career was actually causing meaningful, keeping me from meaningful relationships in life? Is the constant moving and not staying in a particular place and not allowing your family to actually place down roots actually hindering you from living with living into meaningful relationships? Maybe it's time for you to reconsider and think about what it, what's more important to me, climbing the corporate ladder or actually having a mean, meaningful life and meaningful relationships here in this world. Maybe you need to sacrifice what your personal interests are in order to step in and go with somebody else to do what they want to do, right? Maybe there needs to be a denial of self that you're like, maybe I don't need to always do what I want to do, and it requires me to step into doing something else that somebody else likes. Because here's the reality. What, you, what your friends do, you're going to grow a love for. You are. Like, if you're willing to step into it, there's going to be a growing knowledge about it. There's going to be a growing interest in it. And the intrigue about it is going to increase. So maybe, maybe, maybe your friends don't always have to go do what you want to do. Sometimes you need to sacrifice and think about what your friends want to do. We need to make friendship a priority, all right? So maybe you're here, all right? So maybe this is where you're at. Maybe you're thinking, friendship sounds really, really challenging. I try to be honest with you from the upfront that Proverbs chapter 27 is not like the high, fun, exciting type of Proverbs that we see throughout on friendship. But 
There's a book that Timothy Lane wrote that I think the title is true. Relationships, they're a mess worth making. They're a mess worth making. Friendship can be hard. It can be challenging, but it's a mess worth making. If you want to have a life that is full, you have to, you have to, you have to prioritize friendships. And look, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, we are in the best possible place that we can to have meaningful relationships here in this life. John 15 verses 13 through 15, I think put it so well. Here's what Jesus had to say with his disciples before he went to the cross. Last meal with his disciples. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friend if you do what I command you. I do not call you to servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. We can experience meaningful friendships because, look, as a Christian, for friendships, they both start and end with Jesus. That's the reality for, for like, friendships and relationships for us who have chosen to follow Jesus, all right? So Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming one like us. If we are to have essential, meaningful relationships in this life, it requires humility. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility for us. He's the one that he deserves to reign and be above all creation. But what did he do? Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he humbled himself by becoming like us, putting on human flesh. And then what did he do? He extended friendship to us. There's no greater transparency. There's no greater cost that was opened up in the life of, than, than was opened up in the life of Jesus. He made himself more vulnerable, more exposed than any of us could ever possibly imagine because he did what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus exposed himself to the point of dying on a cross in your place. He died in our place for our sins. He was perfect. He did not deserve to die, but he said, I will go in your place. I will open myself up. I'll experience the rejection of my father so that you do not have to. There's no greater example of humility than what we see in Jesus, but we also see that he was honest with us. What did uh, John 15 tell us it's that he didn't withhold anything that we needed to hear. He was completely honest with us. He told us who he was. He says it throughout the Gospels repeatedly. He was honest with us about our sin problem. And he told us that we needed a Savior, that we were broken and that we were weak and that we were needy and that we needed someone that could step in and save us. He disclosed that he came to die and to be resurrected from the grave. And then he fulfilled all of it. He was honest. He spoke. He was willing to make wounds in the life of his friends, but he knew that making the wound was ultimately going to bring their healing. And what does the Bible tell us? That we are healed by his wounds. He was, he was the most humble person that's ever walked the face of the planet. He's also the most honest and he did it for your benefit. Our friendship starts and ends with Jesus because there's nobody that has exemplified friendship greater than Jesus that has ever walked the face of the planet. And look, he did it and he extends it to you. So look, we can be humble because Jesus was humble. 
There is nobody that knows your life better than Jesus. He knows everything about you. He actually knows things that you've probably forgotten about yourself, and he knows the depths of your sin better than you know yourself. And he still wants you, and he still wants a friendship with you. So you don't have to fear. You don't have to be worried of rejection. You have complete acceptance in Jesus if you've trusted in him, and it's never going to be taken away from you. So we can be humble and we can open ourselves up to other people and we can not live in fear, but we can actually live with the courage that friendship requires of us. We can also be honest. We can be honest with other people because Jesus was honest. Jesus already called out the worst in us, yet willingly died in our place. And so look, we don't have to worry the, the rejection that comes from a friend if we're willing to be open and honest with them because you have the ultimate acceptance that could ever possibly be extended to you in this life. And that comes from Jesus himself. So look, you can be honest and you can be humble. And then you can actually do what friendship was intended for you to do, which is to make us more like Jesus. That's why we are wise in making decisions of who our friends are. The ultimate end goal of our friendships in this life are to make us more like Jesus. So Christine Hoover, I referenced earlier, she said friendship is like old-fashioned laundering, all right? She says this, we are wrung out in the wash through the faithful twisting, scrubbing, and squeezing of a friend because they see and desire the end of the washing which is our purity. In essence, that we may be more like Jesus. Friendship begins and ends with Jesus, and so we are in the best place that you can be as Christians to experience meaningful friendships in this life because it's all about Jesus. Let me end with this, all right? So I was listening to a podcast this week and the topic was on friendship. And so one of the guys, his name was TJ Timms, um, on the podcast, he just shared about a walk that he had with his family recently. And so when they're on the walk, they went past this church and people were coming out, they're coming out, filing out of this church and nobody was talking to themselves, like, or nobody was talking to each other. They're all just, were walking out, no conversations that were happening as they were leaving the church. And his wife noticed it before he did and said, do you think that's strange? Don't you think it's strange that they're leaving a church service and like nobody's talking to themselves or nobody's talking to each other? Like it's, it's weird, right? Isn't it weird? And here's what he said. It was a reflection or a completion of the theology that was being preached that day in the life of the church. Look, the gospel of Jesus is an, ex an extension of friendship to people that don't deserve it. And if we take our theology seriously, if we take what the Bible has to say about us and Jesus and the relationship that we get to have with God through Jesus, it plays itself out in how the relationships in the life of the church look. I, I said it before I got up here, and I mean it. The worst part of my job is breaking up conversations that happen during passing the peace. I love, absolutely love the spirit that is going on in the life of our church that you want to know each other. Look, at this point, you may be waiting like, oh, I'm doing awful at this. We need to be better at this. Look, I actually think we're doing a pretty decent job at being good friends. All I want to say is like, let's continue to lean into it as a church. Like, you love each other. I see it. 
I, I get to have a vantage point that you don't get to on Sundays whenever I get to look out. I also hear stories about you going to have meals at each other's houses, that you're going to the zoo together, like you're doing things that are outside of the systems of our church where we're creating spaces for friendships to happen because you love each other. The one thing I may say is like, maybe we need to start adding a little bit more honesty and humility to the way that we're opening up our lives to one another. Let's be a church that fosters honest and humble friendships, shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. That's our ultimate goal, amen? Let's pray.